What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. Uh, if you missed the big announcement, Emory has a new EP called Dead End that's available now, and it's part of our crowdfunding campaign for our next record, and these songs are even for our next record. It's going to come out on May 7th, 2020. But four of the songs, as an EP, are already complete, and people that are participating with us at all on a commercial level, like ordered a vinyl or joined Emory Land through a membership or bought something on the Indiegogo campaign, everybody that participates with us and joins our online community, they get the EP now. They'll get another one in three months, another one in three months, and then a year from now, the general public will get to hear this stuff. But you can hear it right now. You can join Emory Land a multitude of ways. Just go to emorymusic.com or find it on Indiegogo. The campaign is live there. Same old thing as usual, except for this time you get a lot more. You get music ongoing. You get to join Emory Land, the Discord group. Uh, it's, it's been really great. We've got, we're shooting for a thousand people. We're almost there. We have a thousand people in our online community, and we'd love to have you there. And we think that you'll love the new music that we got too. So, Today's show is sponsored by Joybird. Get 25% off your one-of-a-kind custom furniture by going to joybird.com slash badchristian. And also, today's show is sponsored by stamps.com. You can get your four-week trial, free postage, and digital scale by going to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter our code, badchristian. Here we go. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. Give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my pledge. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. And three, two, one. Back in. Fresh beat, Joey. I appreciate it. That was what about good. what I did? What about what uh, I did? I thought I carried the whole thing. I was going to have Reva kind of mute that in post. That I thought that was just so great. It was. I was. It, it was a whale. A whale. Okay, it was a whale. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I thought it was like a perfect impression of a whale. It, <laughs> golly, it just that just hurts my feelings. Y'all know I care about my impressions. I work on them all, all the time, and then for y'all just where to did you it, model that from? Uh, that TV show with that British guy. <laughs> I don't know. Some some show with whales and it had like it had like birds and lions. Planet and, Earth, you mean? I think it was something like that. Something yeah, about, yeah. <laughs> something about blue. I don't know. But I loved it, and I was Did like, you I'm see a, I, the slow motion on that thing. It's unreal. Judith, right, look a, at the slow motion on this shark. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> uh what's going on folks a lot of your ang- i miss a lot of your anger man like you you handled us pretty much insulting your whale impersonation great and it reminded me of just how much i missed your angry outburst man i wish well, you the, work on that yeah the character i'm, I'm trying to the get caricature of it that that ju- that uh, the bad christian podcast is a sad and angry and a ir- irritated guy <laughs> yeah a little fat a little sweaty <laughs> A little hairy, kind of mad. I actually saw a um, uh, right. study pop up from Time Magazine on my Apple app. From uh, you ain't following no Time Magazine. 
Cut you trying to pass that bullshit <laughs> off it on us through the Apple Magazine app, and oh. honestly, I'm glad it does because it throws out titles where I'm like, man, this is really interesting. And then some of it, hopefully, can work out for the podcast. But check this out. So, Toby, good job working on your anger. Thank you. Um, but historically, I've been character, or I have been the sad guy on this show, and you've been the angry, no. angry guy. If that is the case, and I uh, time out, I forgot to hit record so we just need to take a note and then i hit record you'll just have to use his guide up to this point That's yeah fine. now hit record but go ahead and hit record and you can leave in that little yeah outburst i, would, too, I love to leave in that it's fine with me yeah. okay. <laughs> i ain't ashamed of my game <laughs> time out time Here's out the, <laughs> it was cute i liked it so, this so check adorable. this out toby if if things were just to have progressed how they you know, are and you and I never change. That I'm going to be better off yeah. depressed than you are with angry outbursts, according to this study. So, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, a small new study published in the journal Psychology and Aging suggests that anger, far more than sadness, is linked to negative health effects in older people, Damn and it. this is due to inflammation. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's a smaller it's a smaller crowd now so we are talking people o- older than 80 so if you're in your 70s and you got an anger problem you better work on that shit because it's going to kill you it says yeah people ages 80 and older regularly felt anger researchers saw a link to elevated levels of inflammatory marker il6 mm. perhaps because anger can throw off stress hormone levels the problem is that inflammation is is it's a normal process that body uses to fight injury and infection, but chronic inflammation is associated with a range of health issues. So basically the conclusion of this study is adults with elevated inflammatory markers uh, more likely than their peers who didn't feel as angry to have at least one chronic illness such as cancer or cardiovascular problems, but researchers didn't see the same link between sadness and health issues at this age. Um, now, again, if you just go a little bit younger, so people like in their 60s, mm-hmm. uh, anger was not strongly linked to inflammation and chronic disease uh, among these younger, older people. But so it's a study, I guess, based on 80 plus, 80 year olds and older. Mad, and it's angry basically just saying people. be sad or happy, but don't be angry. So, I, I mean, take up weed. Get anger management, but by the time you're 80, you need to let go of your anger. Wait, so this whole study is saying you can be as mad as you want, but after 80, chill. I mean, that's what the statistical research is saying, that once you are 80 or above, anger really is a threat to your health. That's that's the yeah. claim of this. Yeah. I, I would still say, like, cancer and old age are more dangerous. <laughs> well, that's that's what it's saying. is They're, they're saying that the anger yeah. that causes the elevated inflammatory Inflam and inflammation does cause at least one chronic, or it it's linked to chronic illness such as cancer and cardiovascular problems. So. My personal experience with angry old people is like the meaner you are, the longer you live. Yeah, like, I was gonna I just, say a mean old I man. Feel, I feel, yeah, like mean people. I just, I, I mean, it. I just they survive. They just they don't. They like no. I'm gonna stay alive just to fuck you, you piece of <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like they, they, that's just the way old old mean people. They just they got they they're clinging on to life just to like say one last mean just to hurt thing other to people you. is the purpose to, of yeah, living. It, 
Yeah, it, it gives them a yeah. reason to live. Just to get it, it, to like make their kids feel bad and twist a knife a couple more yeah. times. I got to stay alive for that. Yeah, I ain't well, giving you this inheritance. <laughs> here's, here's what's in, here's what's interesting. You guys will get a kick out of making fun of this. So, since being off of antidepressants, one thing that I've had to uh, relearn is how to manage my emotions. And I've talked to other people who have gotten off medication, and one thing that uh, us knuckleheads all say is it really does feel good to be able to cry like a lot easier with movies or sentimental moments with your children and stuff. So that's one thing that I yeah. kind of welcome, but I'm telling you, it got out Meaning of hand. Meaning that when you're on the SSRI, it's harder to be emotionally affected by a movie. Yeah. Borderline yeah. Uh, numb to it. Now mm-hmm. I, I think I learned right. how not to be numb to movies, up. but I just didn't cry anymore. And I'm talking, man, when I was in college before being on antidepressants, it was just like I kind of enjoyed that emotional pull to music and movies and stuff. And now I'm able to experience that again. Well, also, but not welcomed, I've I've had to manage anger stuff. And this is super, super embarrassing. Oh, man. Interesting. But I was Whoa. I was actually at work. And I was trying, I had a billion things going on. I was, I was actually not managing my stress well at all. And I figured I would fit in like a call to AT&T to fix something. And obviously that's the worst thing to try to fit in because, I mean, they kept tossing me around. I ended up kicking a file cabinet and I really, really hurt my foot. I kicked the what? hell out of a file cabinet, and because I was you're angry at the customer service agency. I was so angry, and and oh. so that happened. That happened about a week and a half ago, and I have had at least two more moments where I I had to make a decision. Okay, I'm not going to react like that, and I and I think that foot hurt so bad it really did put me in a place where it's just like no way I'm doing that again. I just can't do that again. But before that. I actually got super frustrated, and I th- I threw a dustpan, and it actually made a made a little hole in the pantry door. And Priscilla, Priscilla knew that I was upset about something. She comes in there and she's like, "Hey, did you uh, did you like uh, throw? No, what what did she say? I think she said, do you like throw the vacuum cleaner?'" And I was like, "No, I didn't throw the vacuum cleaner." I was like, "I don't I don't know what you're talking a dust about." Pan. She said, well, there's like a hole on the pan. And I was like, oh, shoot, I threw the dustpan. I didn't even know oh, where I boy. threw the thing. I just threw it into the kitchen. Sure enough, it poked a hole. But it really is crazy. It's like, so all in all, I'm really happy. that Welcome. It, it, I just want to say welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it really does feel, it, it feels good almost to be more in touch. But here's here's how I dis- – I, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, and, and maybe someone could get me to a point where I have some regrets. But I really do see myself as being so mentally sick. I needed training wheels for 20 years. Like I, wow. I feel like the last five years it was me really trying to figure out better health. But the antidepressants in the background – almost gave me a fighting chance. So um, now you're totally off of antidepressant medication. Yes. And yeah. so you all you take now is all those crazy amounts of steroids that give you the rage. There yeah. you go. Is that, am I correct? Yeah. You just have roid rage all the, the time. The saddest part about this story is, is, is Joey's dogs are named File Cabinet and Dustpan. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the saddest part to me of this whole story. I feel so yeah. bad for those poor animals. Uh, hey, well, okay, good. so this is super interesting to me. Like, when you go to kick the file cabinet or something like that, what, it's like, was thing. it, was it, did it, do you, because you hadn't really experienced that, you say, 
was it like a you see red or you just had to get like is that yeah what the it culmination feel like? the emotion feels so strong that you have to do something physical like what was it for you in the moment it just felt like I had to have some sort of release. Yeah. <laughs> but but now but now and I, I mean I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a maturity thing being in my 40s like maybe in my 20s maybe I wouldn't put two and two together that oh yeah it's not worth it my foot is now hurt but it's like as an as an old dude I'm like there is no point in doing that again because it is like a split second of relief turns into unbelievable pain. And now I'm dealing with a messed up foot. I mean, I, I was I was so upset after that because I thought I may have to get surgery. <laughs> I mean, that's all and, funny, but just the notion I, of you walking oh, around, with, you know, oh, on the verge I, of an outburst, it just it makes, it's going to make my, I'm going to be happy yeah. for a long time knowing so that you're on the right brink now. of a violent outburst. At oh, I mean, like, like Joey's going to yell his ass off at me here soon. I cannot wait. I can't well, wait. Here, well, I'm listen welcome. to this. Listen, listen to this. I mean, it's just like, it, at least if you're going to injure yourself, do it while you're playing sports or you got in a fight <laughs> or you're cool. working on something hard. Not you lost your cool. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think told, that's how like, Jack Daniels died. Right. So anyway, I show up to the soccer field. Uh, our boys were having tryouts and I'm, I'm uh, very evidently hurt. <laughs> and so <laughs> I tell Priscilla, I was just like, I really stubbed my toe so hard in the office. <laughs> and so she's in the car on the way back. And I mean, I edit, I'm really in pain. And she's like, did you, did you get angry and you lost, you know, did you kick something on purpose? And I was like, no, 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 totally. And then 20 <laughs> seconds later, I was like, I kicked something on purpose. Cause I was angry. I was like, I can't lie about this. And it was just so humiliating, and I felt like I—I I mean, I can't—I can't accept any sort of sympathy for this. <laughs> I mean, at least if I was playing basketball with the boys, I'm trying to be a good dad, and I'm playing oh. basketball, and I hurt myself. Hey, will you please go get yeah. some water? But who—who who wants to get somebody anything when they kick the file cabinet for being angry? But, but it's funny that, because but, it's okay. so—it's it's so not common for you. But I mean, everybody has been in that situation where they did something you know, punched a wall or kick something. Oh, or yeah, and I've done that th- in the threw past. Threw something, it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just, know you have, but I'm just saying it's just interesting. Like, it, it it feels really stupid when you hurt yourself doing something that you just didn't even have to. Like, you literally yeah. took your toe and smashed it against something, and that that did nothing. But, it, right. like, there was almost no way to stop it, right? right. Like, I, like just, I mean, I mean, you, you'd have to really completely stop yourself from everything go wait a minute what is about hmm. to happen and all stuff like in the moment you're just like oh i'm just gonna kick this dumb thing and mm-hmm. in, instead you hurt yourself i've done that a million times for sure so I it mean, brings up some uh, interesting questions for me though uh, that i'm kind of I'm, that it's very fascinating to think about but uh i do think jack daniels had kicked his safe that he forgot the combination to the real jack daniels yeah. guy and then his foot got gangrene in the injury from his broken toe and he died from from what you did <laughs> but um so uh i have a bunch of questions about that but before we do that i'm gonna take a, a real quick spot here and tell you about one of our excellent sponsors and that's Joybird, of course okay so i really love this sponsor Joybird. so let's think about a picture of your living room and now close your eyes think about your living room and your house and what's in it does your furniture bring you joy Think about it. It probably doesn't. You're probably missing a couch or chair that says, this is my home. And of course, you're not really qualified to make the furniture. But with Joybird, you're empowered to create the furniture with them. And it's real stuff. And you understand it. And you know about it. And you feel a deeper sense of joy and possession 
and homeness. I, I mean, I'm not making that up. That That is how that works. With Joybird, you get a one-of-a-kind furniture piece crafted to your unique taste, and you can turn your ideas into a reality. They've got hundreds of styles and options. But if you want a sofa and, a, uh, I don't know, aquatic blue or something, or a love seat that's just, you know, pink or red or something, you, you can do, you can, you can dream of it, then get it made. And they offer a wide range of kid and pet-friendly upholstery. So tons of good options. Now, the thing is this, it's quality, handcrafted furniture. It's not something from a factory or a big box store like that. Each Joybird piece is made by hand with care and precision using high-quality hardwood and responsibly sourced materials to fit your exact specifications. It's got a limited lifetime warranty. And if that's not enough, they got a 365-day home trial. Skip the furniture store. Bring the showroom home to you. Sit on it. Sleep on it. Break it in. If you don't love it, return for a full refund. Not only that, hassle-free in-home delivery. They even take the packing materials when they go, and returns are free within two weeks of delivery. So you can see how Joybird can help you design your dream space. You can find your joy today at joybird.com slash badchristian. So create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash badchristian. Go to joybird.com slash badchristian and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code badchristian. Okay, so what I'm curious about there is when you talk about rage, and I've heard people talk about blind rage. Uh, for instance, Robbie from the Classic Crime says he hits blind rage. Sometimes they'll get in a fight with Skip, their drummer, and he'll say all kind of, you know, they'll get in these kind of fights or something. He says when, I, when it happens to me, it's like I don't know what happens. And, you know, Dave, our drummer, sometimes does things out of rage, and it seems like it's out of control. But I don't, I don't, I can't really accept that because they never do anything really bad. So if there was a such thing as uncontrollable blind rage, like, I mean, you're not going to punch your kid or kill Reva in a blind rage, no matter what they, you know, like you have limits, right. so you are in control. So what does that, what does that mean? Like, I how just can had either... a moment like that this week. You did? <laughs> blind rage? Yes. Where you re- read it out and oh, saw oh, red. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. What'd you do? <laughs> Tell me. Um, my neighbor's dogs attacked my dog. And I went oh, into that like tunnel vision, blind rage, and the only thing I could mm. think was do whatever you can not to kick their dog. <laughs> Learn you, from Joey. But you didn't yeah. kick don't <laughs> kick dog. That was yeah. like the only thing in my head was like, don't be like Joey and kick this dog. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you were that but that's literally the only thought you had. Don't kick the dog, but do anything else almost. Yeah. Like to save your dog. Save, yep. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> But I mean, it, but there is a, so I'm just trying to get a, a grip on what it's like mentally, that mechanism. I don't, I've never, I mean, I get frustrated and like break something, I'm try, a wire, I'm trying to shove in a hole or something and I'll ugh, lose my temper and like just force it until it breaks, knowing that that's a, a kind of a rage thing, I guess. But, <laughs> I hate um, when I do that. You know, but I, but I don't know, I don't understand that blind rage thing. And what Reva says there, she's very in control. She says, well, I've got, I, I have an objective. I want to do this. I would like to show more anger, but I'm going to limit myself here. I mean, it seems like you were still in those faculties, you, but you had less yeah. control over what you did, or you weren't sure if you were going to be able to stop yourself, or how's that, how did well, it feel? Well, it was like, it, yeah, it was like there was some sort of a barrier of rational thinking and irrational thinking and it was just like nothing really mattered except for my dog needs to be safe right now and not get beat up by this dog 
And the only thing I can think to do to stop that is kick it, but I really shouldn't kick it. <laughs> but that's not blind rage, though. You know, like blind rage is, and you beat that dude's fucking ass. On, and, and, well, that's you know, or like the physical pulled the chick's hair was, and, and knocked her down and yeah. punched her and then said, sorry, I didn't know. I was in a rage state. Well, yeah, it probably wasn't like blind rage then, but it was like tunnel vision and mm-hmm. my whole body was like vibing, you know, and it uh-huh. took everything in me not to kick that dog. So Toby, how does it feel for you? I mean, t- Toby's not violent though. He's just angry. I mean, that's not. I mean, you don't know. Well, you're not I, a blind I, rage I, kind of person. You're just this. verbal. I, yeah, I don't even know if I'm really that angry of a person. I think it just comes across that way. Like I don't even. I mean, I guess it would have to. You be get out classi- of control though. Like it'd be, you, it'd be classified when you're in a mode anger. of anger, you're not under control. No, of that's what true. you're going to say yeah. next. It's going to be yeah, that's nonsense. true. So I guess that is classified as anger, but I don't think of it as like. I don't know. I don't really. I don't Can you control I, what you say? To hurt other people when you're very angry. No, there's is definitely the times I can't. Yeah, for sure. Like it. Just, what, but it, what do you mean it, yeah. by can't? Like, just walk me through what it feels like. I shouldn't say X, but I can't help it. I'm going Mine, to anyway, or I didn't know that I did it till later. I mean, I I get really upset and always have for some reason when I feel like somebody's accusing me or saying something about me that I don't think is true, and I can't. Like the I punched a wall one time at our house. Because my brother was calling me a liar about something, and it just it sent me into like this this blind thing where I was like, I have to I, that same thing. I have to have release. I I have my faculties enough to know. Of course, I'm not going to punch my brother. I mean, we didn't. I, I've never even really been in a fight that much, or I, not. I guess I haven't even been in a fight really. Uh, I mean, here and there, but nothing like you know uh, we're fist brawling here. And uh, I, but to me, it just kind of overwhelms me where I just feel this feeling of like this feels so wrong that. It the a situation now is absurd and requires something absurd <laughs> as a reaction or something like that. Like like if somebody can say something about me or to me or do something like that to me, that's that absurd. Well, then I can act just as a, I can meet or surpass their absurdity. You know what I okay. mean? Like, and you've seen that a million times when somebody says something to us or whatever. You know, Dave and I both or something like that. So, there's certain things that'll just set you off. And it's just ingrained from whatever in your history, and you're just like, no, fuck you. I'm not. Uh, we're not going with this. But you, you know? still have a lot of limits within that. You don't kill people, for instance. Matt, oh, here's an example. Sure. I mean, Matt, so. here's here's an example of a friend of mine who Toby knows as well. I actually had him on my other podcast. Uh, Joel Smith went to the church that Toby and I worked at. I mean, he he had a moment. I think that you're talking about with uh, being a dad, having one kid that's crying another baby screaming and just all the stresses. He literally almost can't remember destroying him and his wife's bedroom door. And this guy is a reasonable guy, very professional, mm-hmm. holds down a great job, a great family man. And he literally destroyed a door. So are, are you saying you're wondering what's going on when that happens? When like normal I just, it's people very lose foreign to me. It's very foreign. I hear people say it and I believe them. And I certainly can understand your faculties are diminished in some states. Just like if you're drunk, you're just less able to control what, you know what I mean? So it must be something like that. But I don't have, I don't almost don't have that experience but it's interesting to hear you say it and so the other thing i'd like to explore if we have a minute before we move on is with the antidepressants stopping that that's quite interesting because i mean like you said and a lot of people say those things just make you numb or emotionally numb and so there's a really freaky feeling that that gives me that it's like you 
if you were on that ship for 20 years, that's 20 years of you having some kind of arrested development where you're not practicing dealing with your anger. Like I'm not like I'll get mad at the AT&T lady, but I've, I've done it sober for uh, 20 years. So, but you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you've you've been able to avoid 20 years worth of emotional development also, which is not good. Like that, you know what I mean? Right. And that only happens if someone buys into the BS that I bought into personally, uh, even after people warned me otherwise. For 15 years, I thought, Joey doesn't have any problems, except he has chemicals causing him to be depressed. I'm a reasonable person. I'm not crazy. I don't have any mental disorders. I just, Or, you know, you get the point. But basically, Joey doesn't have a problem. I, it's not like my worldview or how I've learned things is the problem. It's just chemicals that need to be fixed by medicine. So the first 15 years, I was like, I'll take this medicine, but I don't need to work on myself. And maybe 15 years is a stretch. But literally, mm-hmm. if someone is on antidepressants, uh, I believe that there's some people that need to be in order to learn those coping skills. Because the times when I was uh, off antidepressants five years ago, I don't, I, I could be wrong, but I don't even see myself lining up to the starting line to, sure. to say, ready, set, go. Like, I well, just I mean, wasn't. it's it's a freaky though. It's like not learning. Yeah. I mean, you have not had been forced to practice. You, instead, you just go, yeah, well, yeah. I'm not, what yeah, are you going right. to do? Get angry? I don't know. I'm on SSRI, so whatever, dude. But that's like, also saying, that's also saying, and this is a whole nother layer, that the antidepressants are always effective in doing their job. And that's mm-hmm. not the case. So there were times when I would have to work through it. But in my stage of being totally dependent on the medication, I wasn't motivated to work on that stuff because I was like, well, the medication's right. not working. What am I supposed to do? So there were times to work on it. I just didn't take it up on it. So yeah, it's it's a lot of different layers. Toby, you should do. We should do a whole episode on some of the research that you were doing too. I think it'd be some really um, with placebo and antidepressants and all that stuff. I think it'd be an interesting conversation for sure. Well, I wouldn't call it research. I was just sitting on my couch looking up stuff on Google. Oh but no, you were researching. You were actually clicking on links online. That's research. That is in this day and age for sure. <laughs> so. Anyway, yeah, there's a big difference between complete loss of control and uh, a flame out or something like that. Like, you know, you're right. Like all of us in every situation, it seems like we still have a a moderate amount of control. But there's definitely been times where I yell too loud at my kids or my wife or my friends or or punch something or, you know, punched a wall or, you know, put a dent in something. Uh, so it's like practice, though. You're, you're you right, know, though. Like you it, as you reps. get older, it gets less because, you know, I don't know if I have, uh, I, I just hurt more, I get hurt more easily or I have less testosterone or, or less energy to, to care mm-hmm. about getting mad or something like that. But I definitely think there's, uh, there's something about being in your youth and being, you know, a little bit more wild and able to heal a little bit quicker. Not Joey. He's about you. to start his, uh, mid twenties yeah. of rage. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. Joey, Joey's going to start getting cute. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> I do feel like I'm having a very po- I think uh, let's just say 3 weeks from now I proved myself wrong but I feel like I've been in a very good midlife crisis like it's no, just Yeah, you're about very... to go through your whole 20s. <laughs> Mentally <laughs> without the drugs just like here we go. You know, it's going to be it's be a wild ride. If that hey, well, was true the, across the board I, with all emotions and attractions and uh, sadness and happy, you know what I mean? Like, cause when I'm, when I'm 25, I'm jealous, I'm horny, I'm 
I can get angry easy, you know, all those things. So who well, knows? You, you, who, so you're you're thinking antidepressants keep you from jealousy and the horniness? Uh, maybe. You, no, maybe, I mean, no, not, I can just tell you from I, you experience. Don't know. You, you definitely don't know. I mean, the fact that you were horny and got jealous at some point while you were on de- antidepressants doesn't mean that it was also not tamping down those things further. You're, I think you're being a little too cookie cutter, especially being someone who's never been on antidepressants. Okay, but I'm saying but I don't know. Learning. But if it, if it quells anger, then what's, I mean, jealousy is a different emotional variant of anger. I mean, it's not sure. that far all off. I, so, all um, I'm saying I mean, is comprehensively, absurd. now I can look back on my life with antidepressants, without, currently, it, I mean, there's still knowledge that was acquired over the years that is now sure. helpful. But you may have surges in more emotions than simply just anger is the point of, I'm making. Yeah, sure. That, that are Absolutely. new, that you will have less experience dealing with than you would have otherwise. I mean, I so feel like I might even be like. I feel like I like people more. I feel like I say no to people more. And there's even been That's some weird things. There, there's even been some weird things where I'm like, I don't know if this is related or not. But y'all have always teased me about not listening to podcasts. I listen to other podcasts more often. Like it really does seem to be some very practical um, reactions to not being on antidepressants that I can't explain any other way. I don't know what I'll, sounds all like of a, a sudden, more full human life to me. Yeah. No, maybe so. Yes. And, and here's what I said all along while I was on antidepressants is I would rather sacrifice some of this stuff and be sane for my children and not, uh, like, so it, it comes with the territory. What you just said is very true. I think I lost a lot being on that, but I think the net positive for my family and wife was probably uh, above zero being on antidepressants as compared to being opposed. Sure, and I'm not making any blanket statements. Nobody should. I mean, some people, it's like, you better be on it, and the side effects are fucking horrible, but it's still what you need to do. I mean, that's totally possible, but, you know, don't pretend like it doesn't alter the human I mean, it yep. does. You got If you're a human that needs to not be the same human that you are, and you're b- better off to alter what you are like, then yeah, that might be what you need to do. But that but is what, what if is what, happening. But what if what you are like is uh, like? Because if you take that to its furthest degree, it's good you and could bad. Say, well, Jeffrey Dahmer to his what he's really like that probably needed to be corrected with medication. So it's um, just I mean, if you could have put him on SSRIs and he didn't kill and eat people, I would say good, even if he didn't enjoy <laughs> movies. That would have been a good drug for him. If 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 it caused his <laughs> confused horniness with eating people and killing them to be to seem like slightly less of a good idea because what he wasn't saying, feeling it, that would have been great. That, that what I'm saying him a lot. is our natural selves very well could be flawed even right. to this level sure. of emotion. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, if we can I'm correct just blindness, we're going to correct blindness, else. even though someone's born naturally blind. We're going right. to still give someone medicine to fix it if we can. Of course. I mean, I would take medicine to fix my blindness if it made, you know, mean that I was impotent. I'd probably take it. I don't know. But it's a cost benefit. So yeah. if yep. you're going to do a cost benefit, you better actually do the calculations and know what they are instead of just pretend like, well, no, nah, the doctor says it. I'm sure it's good. And I have to act like this medicine doesn't have really bad human side effects is crazy to just not at least acknowledge and be searching and you know dealing with it i don't know i'm not sure but yeah those those drugs are crazy i mean they just are yeah the the last time i got off antidepressants i literally sat there a complete basket case and was literally like what am i doing to myself why did i do this i cannot cope um so i i just i feel like the time i think was right 
honestly, because now I I don't see it as an option anymore just because when the going does get rough, and it does mm-hmm. still in my head sometimes, I don't feel like, oh, there's no way out. I don't know my way out of these thoughts. It's like, no, wait a second. Let me slow down. I think I can piece this together. And then there are other times where I really do just have to ride it out because I really can't figure it out. But it, you know, I don't feel like I'm in a place anymore to where it's like, complete desperation i'm completely um you know incompetent to carry well, on conversations with people for granted i'm glad to hear that and i am going to start being a lot nicer to you because now i'm afraid you're going to kick my ass yeah i know yeah it's true so you know what well, I mean? it's, so, a, it's digital we're good i mean yeah, until I there's know. a digital I mean, way for me to kick your ass yeah i still i'm gonna be a lot nicer from here on out so I hope to God you're nice to our guests coming yeah. on. I, I, I might like, not let you. What, what if you lose your shit on Mark Manson? Hey, well, yeah. this guest is is I, I I will say his book contributed to a lot of the healthy ingredients that led me to a place where I didn't have to be on antidepressants. Or I guess you. Should, I don't. I don't want to say it that way because I just feel like some people probably should just be on them. So I would say gave me the resources that I need now not being on them. So he's uh, he wrote the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, a book that was super helpful for me, and now just released as Everything is Fucked, a book about hope by Mark Manson. All right. I've been using Stamps.com for years now, literally. Golly, a lot of big portion of my life has been dedicated to Stamps.com because in one sentence, it brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer no lie. It's so awesome. I use it almost every day uh, for our shipping purposes, but also for just the little things. All I have to do is print it out. Uh, they send you a scale, print it out at my house, and then I just either put it in the mailbox or hand it to my post my postman, and I'm done. And I'm telling you, it is one of the most time-efficient, time-saving uh, resources, tools that in the world, dare I say. So with stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. I don't know what I'm talking about. Stamps.com. Seriously, it's just a no brainer. Uh, it saves you time and money and 700,000 small businesses already use stamps.com. I mean, what are you waiting for? Uh, do you know how much online sales now account in this world? If you've been thinking about starting that business or you have that business, why are you not using stamps.com? So right now our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, like I told you, with any long-term commitment, without any long-term commitment, no commitment, my friends. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in bad Christian. That's stamps.com and enter bad Christian. All right. So we're here with Mark Manson and Mark, I, I actually just read your book love it but i got to share how i went on twitter uh to to follow you honestly because i was just like i want to keep up with this guy and i saw the funniest thing and i know you saw it too because you chimed in so i gotta tell our listener so uh a girl a woman i actually don't know her age <laughs> she this is a problem on this podcast by the way me saying girl yeah so <laughs> a person joey is that person <laughs> so a person Uh, basically says, I bought the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and I cannot believe the language in the book. (laughs) (laughs) And and you responded so nicely. You're like, hey, you did read the title of the book, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what did you expect? 
you can't right, get yeah. that a lot, can you? You don't get that a lot. I mean, there's no You'd way. Be surprised. Yeah. We we get that sometimes with our podcast because we're like a Christian podcast, and people sometimes all they want to do is talk about the cursing as opposed to the message. You you people hit you up a lot with that. Oh God, all the time. Um, and and it's you know I actually wrote a post about it. So if you go to my site and you search for, I think it's called uh, "Why I Have a Potty Mouth." I have this whole <laughs> in depth explanation because I've been getting that complaint for years. And one of the things that I point out is I say like, look, like profanity is not, it's not like the F word was always the F word. Like profanity is this evolving thing, yeah. you know, like the F word used to be actually have like a significant meaning and it wasn't considered dirty at all. It's, it, it, it wasn't until like the 1850s or something people started using it as slang. So I kind of make this point of like the reason profanity exists is that it, it kind of represents where our culture is at. Uh, yeah. in terms of like what we accept and what we don't accept. And as a person who is regularly challenging our culture and, and our assumptions about uh, what is true and what is right, um, profanity is absolutely necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and that sucks you in. I mean, that, I, I am unapologetic to say that cussing is very strategic communication if you use it right. Because when I started reading your book and I, I was telling my wife last night, I was like, Hey, we're, we're interviewing this guy. I'm excited. Cause I've told her all about the book. And I literally gave her about 40 seconds worth of your first, like your intro, like your beginning chapter. And I don't know if it was intentionally done, but I told Toby, I was like, it was like a stand up comedian. I mean, this dude's yeah. on fire. And I was like, I got to keep reading that. I mean, this, this is your take on marriage. It's not about giving a fuck about everything your partner gives a fuck about. It's about yeah. giving a fuck about your partner, regardless of the fucks he or she gives that's unconditional love <laughs> hey so would would you call this book self-help because honestly I, I for the longest time we can get into this uh in more depth but for the longest time i've kind of avoided self-help books almost because of the stigma but are you okay with that label like is this a self-help book uh i i like to joke a lot that i'm a self-hating self-help guru <laughs> <laughs> say that again say that again i'm a I'm a self-hating self-help guru. Uh, <laughs> that works, man. That, which that sounds, works. It sounds like, it sounds like an oxymoron, <laughs> but it, but it's not, I mean, I, I don't love the label. Uh, let's say, let's put it this way. I don't love the genre. I don't love a lot of the books in the genre. Um, I'm, I am personally somebody who uh, doesn't tend to like most self-help books, but at the same time, I want to live a better life. I want to improve my life. Um, so you know, I, one thing, one thing that always inspires me when I write is like, what, what do I wish existed that doesn't, you know, what, what's the book that I wish I could go out and buy. Um, and that's often a starting place for me. Yeah. You get a kick out of this. I was in uh, Norway a month ago and seeing your book in different airports in a different language. It was hilarious because I got to yeah. know what the F word was in different languages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I, you know, with the self-help stuff, I, uh, Reva and I, we've both read this book. And I, I heard for literally a decade, you got to read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale mm -hmm. Carnegie. And you see it all over the place, millions sold and everything. Well, I never wanted to read it because of the title how to win yeah. friends and influence people. I, that's not my objective. And I feel like if it was my objective, I need to read your book to set me straight. And, <laughs> and I, I ended up reading it out of curiosity. Cause I was like, I got to know what this book's about. 
obviously it's not titled wrong because he sold so many, but I do believe the title's misleading. It is a brilliant genius book on, and I don't agree with everything, but how the mind works, historical mm-hmm. examples of people that, you know, remained above, uh, you know, maintain their character in tough situations and, and all that stuff is a really, really, have you read that book? Is that something that you've looked at? Uh, which one, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I wanted to do like a satirical version of that called like <laughs> how to create enemies and fuck people over. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant idea. You got to do that. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah. It'd be like create like a little ebook or something like that. And, you know, <laughs> throw it online and see what happens. Have the same artwork. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, those little step-by-step exercises. Like, And then you're, and then your little bio, your little bio picture, you can have your middle finger up. How about that? <laughs> did, did, did those books, when you were deciding to write this and and, and mm-hmm. become a writer, did those books put you off? Like, is th- was that one of the reasons you started writing this book as a, a, a fuck you to those those types of books? Yeah, I mean, I so I'm kind of like a reformed self help junkie. Um, I started I started reading a lot of self help when I was a teenager, and I got really really into it. And in my twenties, I would go to seminars and I would, you know, I do the whole thing. I go to a seminar and stand up and throw my hands in the air and be, you know, say affirmations and all this stuff. And, um, I kind of, by the time I got to 30, I I don't know, it it all just started to feel very empty. It felt very vain. And, um, you know, not that it doesn't work, but I just, I felt like there was a deeper component missing. And that is essentially like, you know, it's great that you want success. It's great that people want to improve their lives, but nobody, what I found was that nobody in those cultures was like actually stopping and asking what is success? What is improvement? You know, because if your definition of success is just owning a bunch of boats, like, okay, well, you know, you might get there. You might, you might reach that, that definition of success, but you might make yourself miserable in the process. So, uh, how are we like defining success for ourselves? Yeah. Um, that, that's essentially where the whole give up, like, what are you giving a fuck about thing came from was it, it's, um, it's basically kind of a trick to get the reader to think about their own values. Think about how they're defining success for themselves. Yeah. 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 Hey, I, I, I'm sorry, Toby, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to, I got to know, am I the, uh, am I the first pastor to, to write you? <laughs> uh, and, no. And here's, Actually. and here's what I'll say. This book, I guarantee you, if you, uh, and, and obviously this isn't a suggestion, but if you actually wrote this book, cleaned up the language, you let me throw some scripture in there. It would be a best selling yeah. Christian book of all time. I'm serious. I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, man, this, this sounds like a lot of the stuff that, that gets, gets me fired up. And ironically, I would have never, well, I would have eventually heard of the book, but my, uh, so I, I work at a mega church and our, our, the, the lead pastor over here told me about the book. He said, I haven't read it yet, but it seems right up your alley. That's how I ended up reading it. And I started, I was thinking, you know, as I was reading everything and, and I mean, I, I have struggled with depression for the vast majority of my life. And I would say that right now I'm, I'm, I'm in a really good season and partly due to reading your book amongst uh, many others have just been so helpful. And I was thinking, I was like, I bet you, you think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what do you think about religion? You probably think it's pretty messed up, right? Well, oh man, go for it, man. <laughs> this is a safe place, safe sure, place. Sure. Well, okay. So I grew up Christian. 
uh, went to a Christian school, went to Bible study, all nine yards. Um, I'm an atheist now, but I think I, I've never been one of those like militant atheists. Um, it's actually always, you know, like the Sam Harris types and the Christopher Hitchens, you know, it's always kind of bothered me because I grew up in religion and, and I see, I see that it, it provides there are a lot of social psychological. I mean, it's, it's just a very profound and healthy thing for people. Um, so I, I don't, I have no qualms with it. Um, I think the, the, the only issue with, with religion and this applies to every religion is that ultimately every religion, the way it's implemented on earth, it's, it has to be a human institution yeah. and any human institution is going to deal with corruption. It's going to deal with, uh, hypocrisy. It's, it's going to deal with all the human problems because it's made up of humans. So, um, I think a lot of what, a lot of the criticism that gets leveled at say the church or the institution of religion, um, gets conflated with the actual spiritual faith. And, um, even though I don't have that faith, I respect it because I feel like fundamentally it's funny you asked this actually, because it's, I've got another book coming out in a, in a month or two. Do we have you a little stumped here? Are you a little stumped? Do you look a little perturbed? I'm not stumped. <laughs> I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give you a soundbite. Uh, Cause it's a deep question. No, I have. So it's funny you're asking this because so, so let me back up a little bit. So I've got, I've got another book coming out in a couple months. It's called Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. And there's a whole section of the book about religion. And it's kind of, I would describe it as kind of like an atheist defense of religion. Um, and it's funny because I'm doing tons of interviews for it. And uh, everybody just skips over that, <laughs> that chapter. You know, it's like nobody wants <laughs> no, to touch like touch every, every podcast I do is like, <laughs> no, no, not touching that one, you know? Uh, so it's funny that you guys just come out of the game. You're welcome. But, You're welcome. But, but basically, you know, I, one of the arguments I make in that chapter is that I think as humans, whether you're religious or not, you have to have faith in something whether it's an, an, a moral code, whether it's uh, a vision for the future, whether it's a God or, or deity or, or book or whatever, like humans, just the way our psychology is, we need some faith in our, in our life. And, um, and I think religion for the vast majority of people is, is a, is a great solution. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, here's, here's one example of something that I read that I said, you know, People are not doing this in the church, and it's crippling. And thank thank God that I think we're moving out of this pretty quickly. But you said that uncertainty is the root of all progress and all growth. As the old adage goes, the man who believes he knows everything learns nothing. We cannot learn anything without first knowing something. Well, Christianity was never supposed to be about certainties. It was supposed to be about faith and hope and you know, I, I I think this is true. You know, Jesus didn't condemn the guy that said, hey, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. But Christians, I, it turned into a thing of certainty. And I'm like, man, it, I read this and I'm like, that is very universal truth that everybody needs. But the Christians and, and, and other religions, too, would would reject that saying, no, 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 it's, it is about certainty. There, there's um there's actually there's a conservative writer that I that I really like. His name's Andrew Sullivan. He's a he's a Catholic. Um, he he wrote a book called the conservative soul years and years ago, but it, he had a really cool thing where he, he talked about this. He said that, uh, 
he called it a faith of doubt. So there's like a faith of certainty and a faith of doubt. And he, his argument was basically like, if you don't doubt your faith, then it's not faith. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. it, it's part of having faith is understanding that, you know, you just have to go with it. And that even though, you know, there's no, there's no way you can prove it's there. There's no way you can be a hundred percent certain it's there. You just go with it anyway. You lean into that uncertainty. And and he talks about how as soon if you delude yourself into kind of believing you've got it all figured out, uh, that's when all the bad stuff starts happening. I think I, what I appreciate, even about what you're saying right now, is is valuable to me. And and I I can you know many times feel frustrated or with people that think differently differently than me or whatever. What you're saying here is really helpful to me. At certain times. Uh, religion might be the best thing for you. At certain times, a self-help book could be the best thing for you that day or that month or whatever it might be. Like, it, it, we don't have to necessarily be black and white. Well, all self-help books are shit or religion is shit in a way. And that's He's saying I, shit. I, I, He's I, saying shit. He's <laughs> not, I know you never heard shit, but it's right. shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm from South Carolina. Sorry. But, <laughs> well, you're from Texas, right? <laughs> I get it, man. I get oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's just, in, you know, great, yeah. But anyway, I, I really appreciate that because I'm kind of the same way. I think there's certain times where uh, a moment needs a certain thing, and that might kind of get you through that. But uh, any, anyway, in reading the book um, it, it, within the subtle art, we'll stick with that in, right now. But uh, I loved how you relayed like uh, wealth without purpose is the same thing as pain without purpose. I man, that speaks so strongly to me because wealth, like you said uh, earlier. Um, we define like how we define success means almost is equally related to our happiness. And so what, how would you say like, like wealth and money, how do you use your pain to find meaning? Yeah. Well, it's, I think fundamentally, you know, we, we need, everybody chases after happiness. Everybody chases after, you know, everybody wants to feel good, but what we really need is we need a sense of meaning in our life. We need a sense, uh, that something we're spending our time in, in ways that are important and valuable. And the interesting thing about that is that you really can't have a sense of meaning unless you've given up something, unless you've sacrificed something. And so you get kind of this contradictory thing in our culture where it's, you know, I guess you would say like the consumer culture, and self-help culture is always pushing us, you know, to be happier and feel better and have more. And where avoid pain, would you say that? And to avoid pain? Absolutely. And avoid yeah. pain. And, and that's kind of the definition of like what a good life is, but right. really what does give us a sense of meaning and purpose and value in our life is, is a sense that we sacrifice for something like what the, a common example I use in talks, and I think I use it in the book is like, you know, if you look at children, it's funny. It's actually, I'll even go a little bit deeper into it. It's funny. Like there was when, when psychologists started studying happiness, uh, one of the first things that they found was that, uh, parents are less happy. Parents of kids under like 10 years old are less happy than people without any kids. And so of course, psychologists being like clueless professors were like, well, Therefore, nobody should have kids. <laughs> if you want to be happy, don't have kids. You know, and it's like, no, man, like you don't get it. <laughs> you really don't get it. Like, yeah, right. having like having kids is like it's not fun sometimes. Like it is, it is 
absolutely torturous sometimes. But because of what you're sacrificing, what you're giving up, it, it brings that sense of value to your life. It, it's, it creates that experience that you can look back on afterwards and be like, I did that. Like yeah. I, I did that. I made it, you know? Um, and so I think there's, there's this weird tension going on in our culture and, and it's the more people get sucked into just feeling good all the time, the more difficult it is to find that meaning and, and sense of value. I, I like, you know, somewhere you, you put it this way. You said, that someone with a, a family suffers from those family dynamics, but the person without a family suffers without having family. The person that has a lot of money can suffer, you know, in that way. Person without, I mean, it's just like the and and that that was something that actually really helped me in my personal um, growth. Reading, like, basically, I mean, you, you you simplified it so well. It was like this life is marked with suffering. If you can. If you can wrap your mind around that and stop being so enticed by trying to avoid all of that, that's part of the battle right there, you know? Absolutely. And, 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 and I've sat with a therapist before, and, and that was really good advice I had. Um, you know, one of them told me, is just like, look, sometimes you just got to let that stuff coexist. Like, just, yep. you, you know, you, you struggle with depression, and when that hangs around, just let it hang around, but don't try so hard. And, and the example that he gave was, like, if I were to tell you right now, um, Hey, uh, think of the, think of the word pink bunny. And, and then I said, okay, never think about that again. I'm going to time you. You've got two minutes. Don't think about pink money for two <laughs> no, minutes. It's too late. You've it's too late. You've yeah. You've never, you've never thought about it in the last decade, maybe, but you're going to think about it for those two minutes. And it's, and it's yeah. just like that mental fixation, but, um, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, there's actually, there's a, there's a saying in Buddhism. They say like what you resist will persist. And it's, yeah. um, it's the more, the more you fight against, the more you say to yourself, I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to suffer. Uh, the, the worse the suffering becomes. And, yeah. and so you have, you have to find a way to like ease into it and, yeah. and kind of em- embrace it. Yeah. Would you say that you are, what, what, what motivates you? Like what you you just released a, a kick-ass book. I don't know what, like a year or two ago, highly successful. You're writing another one. I mean, do you really care about people or do you, are you enticed by the topic? Like what keeps you so engaged in doing all this? And you go to your website and you're, you're doing all sorts of stuff centered around this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's a combination of, of the two things. Uh, it, one is, it's just, I've always been fascinated by human behavior, uh, psychology, things like that, people's problems. Um, and I love writing and I've basically just found a way that to do it you know, old, I, what I always tell people is I, I write for myself first. Um, you know, I, I don't, if it's not fun for me, then, you know, I, I didn't become an author to, to get stuck in a, in a, in a job. So yeah. <laughs> if it's not fun for me, I'm not going to write it. Right. Um, but then, but then it's, it's, as I'm writing it, I start to ask myself like, okay, can this help other people? Yeah. How, how can I phrase this or position this to help other people? Like who, who can I help? uh, when I do this. And, um, and yeah, I, I I've always just kind of had the philosophy that if you do good things in the world and you do them at scale, um, the benefits will come back to you. You know, yeah. the, the, the people will come back to you, like the people will take care of you. And so, um, you know, I, I was doing this 10 years ago when it was just me on a crappy little blog, uh, 
you know, living on a friend's couch and 10 years later, I've got a huge best-selling book and, uh, making a bunch of money off it. So it's, it's great. I'm super proud and happy about it. Um, but it's, when I sit down at the desk, it's, it's all about the work. It's all about, you know, what, what can I discover about myself, uh, about others and, and how can I share that with the world? Gotcha. Practically, how do you, how do you do that? Like, for example, um, you say like, uh, ordinary is what matters, but now you've had just unbelievable success. I mean, you, I mean, lots of money, lots of success. People know your name. Yeah. I mean, how, how does Mark Manson kind of follow? Do you you have to tell yourself certain things that you've written in your book sometimes? Uh, <laughs> Cause, I mean, you're very successful. You, I mean, people want to be like you now. You it, know what I mean? It's a great question because it, it's very seductive. You know, it's um, it, it's very easy to get swept up in that stuff. Um, I think it's I try to to just remind myself every time I sit down and, and get to work that, you know, like why I'm here doing this Um and it, it just doesn't, what I've noticed too, is, is sometimes I will start writing something and I can, f- it doesn't feel right. It feels kind of bad. It feels kind of icky writing it. Yeah. And then I'll go take a day off or something and I'll come back and I'll be like, you know what? I think I was just writing that for the clicks or, or, you know, for, yeah. I think I was, I think I was trying to sell out a little bit on that one and you just delete it and start over. And so I think it's just, uh, it, it just requires a lot of honesty with yourself. And I think it, a lot of it too, is just having really good people around you who, who know you well and, and who will, uh, call, call you out on your bullshit. Yeah. Do you, do you have a, like a f- most famous person that's read your book that told you about it? <laughs> well, Will Smith. <laughs> no way. I'm doing Will Smith's book because of this book. No wow. way. I, how can you keep, I mean, there's no way you, I, how can you stay on the ground? Will Smith. <laughs> Independence Gosh. Day. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah. He he reached out and he was like, "Yeah, I, I want to do a book about my life." And so, so now I'm now I'm doing his book. Uh, that oh dude, God. big congrats! That's unreal. That's, That's unbelievable. It's insanity. It's like it, it's weird too, because on the one hand, it's like yeah, it does kind of you can kind of get a big head about it, but then it's like you go actually hang out with him, and you're like, oh, I'm. I'm nothing. <laughs> you know, like, like she is rich and famous on such an absurd level that I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm just a dude <laughs> with a laptop, which is healthy. I bet. I, I mean, yeah, if right. I were in your shoes, I'd be thankful for for that because it's like a it's a gut check for sure. Man, my gosh, Will Smith. Well, I, I'd say one of the most uh, counter. I mean, the whole book is counterculture. But I, one thing uh, that you put in there, I was like, oh my gosh, this stands against everything that I've I have ever been taught. Not in the church, in the church, outside of the church, it's just a general rule of thumb as far as hey, you know, know know what you want to do in life. You know, um, have have a simple approach, have a vision, and then that way you know which things to put off to the side, which things to focus on. And you said. Um, I'm quoting you. I say, don't find yourself. I say, never know who you are because that's what keeps you striving and discovering. And it forces you to remain humble in your judgments and accepting of differences and others. So what about vision, life purpose? People say that's so important. Like know what you're going to do. You know, have you found your calling and and those sorts of things? Like, is that, is calling and vision and all that kind of stuff, what you're talking about or, or not really here? 
I think it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like what we were talking about before about the uncertainty thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. I think I know who I am, but yeah. you know, to you, to use to kind of, to tie all these questions together. Like if I decided, damn it, I'm a best-selling author. And what I do is write best-selling books. And like, that's what I have to do. Um, it would completely change my approach to my job and yeah. it would probably make it a lot less fun and a lot more stressful. And if, you know, say my next book doesn't do so well, uh, it would, I'd be in a crater, you know? Um, so I try to hold loosely onto these things. So like, okay, I had a huge hit, sold a lot of books, but you know, we don't really know if I'm really bad. I, I could be a, this could be my 15 minutes. Um, I could be a one hit wonder. Um, and it's not fun to think about that, but I think it's, you know, to, to, to answer your question, Toby, about being, staying grounded, like that's how you stay, stay grounded. You, you just recognize that like, Hey man, a lot of people are, they're hot one year and they're out the next. And, um, you could be, you, that could be you. And you don't, you don't really know until, until you put in the work and, and keep going. Um, and so I just try to, I try to hold on to my, myself, my, like, I try not to def define myself too rigidly. Um, and it's, what's funny is that I think a lot of people like, you know, if they like that advice, when things are, aren't going well, they're like, you know, Oh yeah, my wife left me and lost my job. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know who I am. I, I need to go out and discover, but it's like, man, when you're on top, you got to hold that same mentality. Yeah. Like, all right. You had a bunch of success, but you still don't know who you are. You don't yeah. like, who knows? So it's, I mean, it, it seems like with your book, like how, how do you, like your book is almost like, you know, you, nobody knows and be okay with that tension and the question, all that stuff. So it would have to weird you out if someone like said, Hey man, can I have two hours of your time? You know, I'll pay you a bunch of money, but like you obviously have all the answers sort of things. Like is the point of your book? No, I don't. Or would you be comfortable with saying, okay, yeah, I'd be happy to. And, and that's probably a bad example, but do you get uncomfortable when people start to see you as like a guru who can help Absolutely. them through stuff? Yeah. Hence, hence the self-hating self-help. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I, the thing that I always say is that I, I've never felt comfortable with the idea that, you know, people have all these problems and I get to stand on stage and tell them, say I have solutions. Um, I see it more as like, I have a lot of problems and I, I just find that discussing them and working through them publicly helps a lot of other people as well. Um, because none, none of our, none of our problems are really unique. You know, yeah. it's like, if you're suffering from something, there are millions of other people that are suffering from it too. So, uh, the only thing that creates that perception that it's unique is, uh, by not communicating it. Yeah. I was, uh, in researching you on this, I stumbled upon a YouTube video of you at a, it was a, it was some conference or something like DNX or something. And mm -hmm. you just, you started the, the with all these bad things that happened to you. And I, I, that is what I think is, is unique about you, especially within the potential self-help world is that self-help people have answers 
and you start off with, man, it's fucked. And that's a, it's kind of, you know what I mean? And so, and that's yeah. really relatable. Like that, it, it's accessible. And it, it, yes. that, that's what I think is, is really unique about you, especially like even with this new book, which, which is coming out on, I believe, May 14th. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And it, it's everything is fucked. And I wanted to ask you, is this a book about hope? <laughs> is that, it's, it's a hopeful book that you've written. Yeah, you you just went off the deep end, man. Something got to your head or something. <laughs> Everything is bad, but hey, he's made a lot of money, so there's yeah. some hope there, baby. Yeah, I, I trust you. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 an investigation in the hope, and and it's more, it's less about. I, I I'm trying to do another kind of like switcheroo with people, you know, with with subtle art not giving a fuck. I think most people bought it because they're like, well, yeah. I, I don't want to give a fuck. Like I'm stressed all the time. I wish I didn't give a, you know, and then you open the book and you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's about values and caring. And, uh, okay. Uh, you know, it, I think I'm trying to do the same thing with the hope book in that, you know, I, I feel like for, we live in a time where, uh, it's just politically, socially, culturally, it's kind of losing their minds and feels like, uh, the world and the country are going to hell in a handbasket. And, um, and it, it, it's, I kind of want to look at, you know, and everybody's looking for that hope that, that it's like, you know, show me something or tell me something that it's going to tell me, you know, that it's going to be all right, that we're going to make it through it. And so I actually think that that urge for that hope, you know, tell me it's going to be all right. Tell me things are going to be fine. Uh, I think that's actually part of the problem. And uh, so the book is kind of an investigation of that idea. Oh, that's really cool. I, I think uh, one of the things that it does, I think one of the connective tissue parts of, of how you tell this, these stories and how you, uh, you know, kind of do give hope is that I, I think a lot of people feel very alone, like just like you just said, they feel very alone because they think their problems are unique and only them. And yep. it's not, it's common. Like the stuff that, you know, what, whatever you may be going through, somebody else is. And so that means it's not unique and only just you and the, and the world and history is against you. It's that, wait a minute, everybody goes through this. So we might be connected in a way of pain the same way we are as in success or whatever. Like the, both mm-hmm. of those could be valuable. And so I think that's really helpful because a lot of people, like you said, and, and I don't know if, if, uh, the hope, it, it, your hope book is is the same way, but a lot of people want to avoid that pain, and because there, no one sees purpose in it. And I think yeah. that, that that's what you really offer there. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's I think what people lose lose sight of is that a lot of pain, like you, could, there's a lot of value to be found in pain. Um, you know, it, it's if you go through a divorce or, or lose your job or whatever, like there's, there's a lot of value in that. And and it's not just, you know, it's not just the cliche, you know, like take lemons, make lemonade. Like it's you, you, it changes you. It, it develops you. Uh, it forces you to confront a lot of uncomfortable things about yourself. And, um, and so, yeah, it's not pleasant, but, um, but it, it doesn't necessarily just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean it's it's a you're having a bad life. That makes sense. No, yeah, it, do, it does totally make sense because every, if that's the case, then everybody's having a bad life, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 I think I think you can apply this wider too. I mean, it's I think you can apply this kind of socially. It's it's um, 
it, it you know, if you look at the country, the last 10, 20 years, you know, it, the, the polarization, like everybody feels like the country is going to shit, but it's like, you know, just cause we feel that way doesn't mean it is. Um, right. and so it's, I, I, I just try to kind of look past our emotions and, and kind of try to see where the value lies because it's not always clear just because something feels good. Doesn't mean it is good. Some, just cause something feels bad. Doesn't mean it is bad. Um, and, and you find a lot of counterintuitive things when you do that. Yeah. All right. Everything is fucked. A book about hope. It comes out on May 14th. Uh, I'm excited for this book. I think it's really good. And, and I'll, I'll just say this cause he didn't say it a few, uh, man, it's probably been a month or two ago. Joey, pastor at a mega church in South Carolina. He comes on our podcast and goes, listen, I read this book. I got the biggest it, laugh from these guys, a, but I was being has a cuss word, It has a cuss word in the title, but it might be have affected me more than the Bible has recently. <laughs> so I, I can't, I mean, I don't know of a bigger compliment. Big head, man. Yeah, I know. So, I mean. My two favorite know. authors, Mark and God. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are going to ruin me. <laughs> I know. You didn't have a bigger head in, uh, enough. All right. Uh, hey, we really appreciate you coming on and spending time with us. Uh, thanks so much. Hopefully, great success with this book. And uh, I, Yeah, markmanson.net. Markmanson.net. Lots of cool resources on there. And, and subscribe so you can know when the book comes out. Is there any other sites or, or places to send people to, Mark? No, that's it. Yep, and just check out the books. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so Dude. much for spending some time with us, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, man. All right. Talk to you later. Later. All right. Oh, Mark Manson. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'll tell you what. I thought he was just great. I really enjoyed that conversation. And, Joey, I think you did a great job on this interview. Like I, I, I thought he, it was so interesting how in his – if I heard him correctly, his promo package – had as a potential question to ask was uh, um, with this upcoming book, I think he wrote a whole chapter on um, affirming, I'm probably using the wrong words, but affirming religion from an atheistic point of view. So he, he, as you heard, he has the same upbringing as, as we all do, but doesn't consider himself spiritual, but does see some, some pluses. And it's so funny the type of podcast that we are, I think we're the only one, <laughs> the only ones that would ask him that question about spirituality because everybody else is. Uh, but yeah, I'm anxious to read this book for sure. And my gosh, the Will Smith thing! Holy cow, <laughs> that to me is a perfect example of how just getting your stuff out there opens up opportunities. And I love the fact that Will Smith is a smart guy. He's an innovator. And he re- he obviously got his hands on Mark Manson's first book, uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I'm sure he wrote wrote some other ones, but the first big one, it was like, this guy's got to write my biography. I mean, that's just cool. And and as much as I love Will Smith, I'm not a big biography guy. I'm not going to read Will Smith's biography. I will now, though. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's uh, tell people about the BC Club then or something else. Matt, did, Matt really didn't seem interested in there. Like he seemed, Matt, are you mad? Are you hurt? What is going on? Like that I'll tell you, really... I will tell you. If you Uh-oh. notice the moment there a minute ago where Joey finished his statement and then it was a yeah. second of dead air and then I s- sadly said, let's talk about the BC Club. 
I wasn't on that interview. I don't know. I have any fucking idea what y'all are talking about. <laughs> I was out sick. I think I had a hangover or something. If that was the interview that I missed, you, he I don't. I didn't he hear had the a hangover. Thing. I was he here before. He thinks he has a, had a hangover. Whatever. I mean, I don't even remember why I missed that interview. Maybe it's because I had a child and y'all did an interview. Maybe I was at the hospital. I don't know. But I didn't hear the interview, everybody. So I'm over here asking, acting like Mills, Will Smith what? What's this book about? I didn't, know. I didn't listen. I could have gone back and listened. I didn't. That's on me. So that is the, that was the awkward moment there. But anyway, can we move on? <laughs> okay, let's just move on from Mark Manson. It was a great interview. Let's keep that in the past. Yeah. Moving on. We do have an amazing BC club, and uh, we have recently started doing these Daily Dose episodes. You can hear a couple in the main feed, uh, maybe last week or the week before, something like that. If you go back and see it, I I think they even reference that they're Daily Dose episodes. But we do on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. So if you join the BC club, you get all those extra episodes. And then it's just fun for us because we get to be current and in the moment and just say what's on our mind and be as goofy and dumb and stupid and smart. Or brilliant. All of it. Yeah, maybe all of that. Uh, How whatever comes out, comes out. And uh, that's what makes it fun because we're just uh, some friends sitting on here talking. And it feels a little bit more relaxed. We really appreciate the BC clubbers. Uh, just listening and being our friends and supporting us because th- this old bad Christian thing, if you notice, all this stuff isn't just about us. That's the one of my favorite things about bad Christian is ain't no way if this podcast ended right now, ain't no way that literally thousands of people aren't friends, haven't connected, haven't had their, you know, thoughts challenged, hadn't, uh, said smart and dumb things like us. I mean, that, that's what I think is really neat about the club is it's, it's, and you know, I don't like using that word legacy. Oh God, we talked about that. I think on a daily dose episode, that's not the word I want to use, but the word I want to use is it ain't about us on, on this podcast here. It literally is about people just finding a place to talk and have some ideas and think and, uh, say some stuff, uh, good or bad or whatever, and trying to just figure out where they fit in this life. And so, hey, can I- uh, can I get real sappy and simp- uh, sentimental? I uh, is it going to turn to anger? Just don't get angry. Just please, please. whatever, sir. <laughs> whatever you whatever, whatever you'd like sir. to do, I'm fine with. Yes, okay? sir. You know, like yes, sir. Please, like a great idea. Joe. Stop. Go, just go ahead, Matt. Back away. I'm sorry. I seriously though. I, I I okay. So I I get it now. I know there's like no superheroes. I even watched the NBA different. Like, this is going to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Oh god. <laughs> I watched the NBA and I recognize these guys are like superhuman strength, superhuman ability, but they're just people. They're regular men mm-hmm. trapped in superhuman bodies. Yeah. Superhuman drive and everything. But we've had a couple of uh, exchanges along these lines with like guys that were in the Christian music industry, specifically Tooth and Nail, and, and just people that I was listening to as a kid. Like, for example, uh, Russell from Joe Christmas in an email. Uh, he, he was telling me how ironic it was the story that I told him about being at the uh, MXPX show and going up to him and saying, are you guys, are you guys the guys from Joe Christmas? And he said, it's ironic that you saw me in that light because I was super nervous to come on bad Christian and listen to this. He said the cool younger guys. And I was like, Hey, by the way, we're, uh, you know, Toby's older than you. I'm your age. And that's a little younger. Uh, but anyway, as, as I get like 40, you know, as I'm an older guy, I really do get a little choked up because I I feel like those guys help pioneer all of this stuff up into, and, and you know, even Emory, a part of this too. But those guys help lay a foundation pioneering all this. And now they like us 
as a place where they can resonate with and listen to. And I, I just, I can't believe I get to, I guess, partially return the favor by furthering what they still are an integral part of my life. And uh, I don't know. I just, it, I really got sentimental thinking about it one time with when, when guys say stuff like this, cause I'm like, that is so cool. And it's one of my favorite things that I'm doing a podcast that some of my heroes that they don't see themselves in that way, but they're listening to this and getting something out of it. I know it sounds sappy and it sounds very um, Christian or leadership or pastoral or whatever, but it does make me feel good. Yeah, I don't think it sounds Christian. It's almost, uh, you know, I, and this is another discussion, we'll just have it later, but it's almost the opposite of Christian in that it's other ways other than having to use, you know, literally the Bible or evangelical culture to actually attach with other people, define your own meaning, have a connection and have something be a beyond a zero sum game. It's not like, you know, if something gets created when we talk together and, you know, and whether or not we're on a podcast, like when you interact with other people new things emerge that are beyond the individuals. And that's what happens here. The communities, and it's not something we do or anybody does. It just, it, it, it's not even intentional. It's just an emergent property of meaning. And then we assign meaning to it. We choose to participate. And that's what humans are made to do. That's one of the reasons why Christianity and evangelicalism is so powerful, because it gives you that framework. That doesn't mean it's not true, but it. But that's part of why we're, I mean, we're super religious. We're talking about people being woke and stuff. I mean, that's whatever. Yeah. That's a, it's a religious feeling to be part of a community doing anything, even if it's silly bullshit, which is what our community is <laughs> you know it's like it's 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 in being less serious which is you know there's a lot there's a lot you could say good about that i think it's very intentional and a good thing but nonetheless it's attaching meaning working together having a framework and then letting things that are big you're, you're participating in something bigger than you no matter yeah. where it is that you are in the and it's a in, specific in it. sect of it too yeah. that's what's so special yeah, it feels is good. It, we're doing what they were doing 20 years ago, and now we're benefiting from what they yeah. laid down. So, hey, thank you guys for joining the BC Club. The people just keep rolling in. Uh, these folks, I, I I think, are really enjoying the Daily Dose from what I understand. And uh, so thank you, Zach Russell, Matt uh, Guilford. By the way, Toby, what, what would these people do if they lost control of their anger? Let's back up and usually have a prophetic sense about When BC they Clubbers. have in the past, though. What would they say that again? What would they What's what? basically their go to in fits of rage? Like, yeah, what do these people act out when they get oh, angry yeah. with ATT? Yeah. So, Zach Russell, uh, I'm not on today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, your uh, secret take is a safe deep breath, then. you'll get it. Okay, hold on. Let me, yeah, let me get in the profit mode here. Uh, <laughs> Should we pray real quick? Ooh, I don't I don't think a fake prayer would work. But <laughs> I'm trying to think. Okay, let me get in the mode here. When people when these people got angry, what did they how did they re- what did they do? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um All right, I'm going to try. Go go all a little right. slow. All right. Okay, Zach Russell. He shit in his closet. Mm. Wow. Passive so he just lost and was like and then ran to his, his own closet there. Too, yep. I mean, he yep. stomped all the way and just yanked his pants off and went, ah, and just let it all out. And felt exactly. better. Yeah, good. Matt Guilford. Shit in his closet. Man, same sort of approach. Yep. RJ Jeffcoat. Was sick, diarrhea in his closet. <laughs> James Hale. Vomited in the foyer. 
Cody Stopel or it's they, we C-O- These people aren't sick, right? S-T-O-E-P-P-E-L. Cody Stopel. Yep. Farted on the stoop. <laughs> Toby thinks that's funny. I don't know what he's talking well, about. Well, it's funny. Who has a stoop? <laughs> Do y'all have a stoop at your house? No. Is I don't a, have stoop a stoop at the top of the stair? What is a stoop? Reva, you I know what a stoop like is? Out front of like, you know, the ha- a row house in Philly or your Brooklyn stoop. or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yep. Front porch. Brandon Richardson slid down the banister and left Dookie track. John, all right, <laughs> out of never anger? mind. We don't want to know what people do when they get angry. We're done with that. Jonathan McKinley, Jay Williams. Shit in the closet. <laughs> Matt, note shit to self, when Toby says yeah. he's not he, on, he's off, we don't do it. it. Yeah. We don't know when it. you're off. I tried to warn you. I'm not you upset with you. made me do it. I just came down on me and Matt. That wasn't about you. I'm doing the best I can. It hurts my feelings. All right. So Jonathan McKinley, Jay Williams. Shit in the closet. (laughs) Jake Hadlock and Zach Adams. Shit in the closet. Wouldn't that be, that's nicer than hurting yourself. You just go to your closet. You pull pull down your pants, take a dump. And you feel much better. And you just leave it there for family member because you were mad at them. I mean, that's or, or definitely the best way to get at your family member if that's what your goal is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be, it'd be just shit in their closet. Well, that's what I assume Toby yeah. was saying. Yeah. No, I mean, it's well, their own it, closet. Well, if, it, if you're living under your parents' roof, it is their closet no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like payback. Yeah. Hey, parenting, shameless plug on the spin zone. If you are the parent of a teenager, you need to listen to this episode or just read the damn book. It's a great book. It's called Feeding the Hand, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You. It's really good. Sounds good. All right, guys. Thank y'all. All All right. I apologize for my actions. I was doing the best I could. You know, you can only do so much. Reva, save us. Save us with a funny joke, Reva. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) She did it again. Why can't I be like Reva? Why can't I be like Reva? (laughs) Always on. Always on. Good Lord. She never shrinks. She better get get her on the road. Comedy clubs all over. Good God. Kobe Bryant, Reva Hansen. I mean, you know what I mean? When it's time. Clutch. Clutch is the word for it. She is clutch. Killer instinct.